Hello, and welcome to the Quacks Podcast. Quacks, Quacks. We need to have a theme song. Yeah, we, we kind of have some some music. Well, yeah, we have music. We have music. We'll come we'll come up with something. Did you hear the music from last week? It was beautiful. I actually did. You listen to it? I didn't. I didn't. No, I didn't hear the right. music. I'm I'll sorry. I'll show you the music. It's okay. It's, no spoilers. It's actually, it's actually really good. I'll show I'll show it to you. Okay. It's like bluesy and it's nice. I love it. Anyway, welcome to the Quacks Podcast. I'm Lucas, one of your hosts. Brian I'm here. Brian is another host. Yes. Subjectively experiencing quacks podcast together yes we are all right so tell me you were telling me a little bit about cbd before we jumped into this and how awesome it's doing i can't even believe it i've never i've never seen anything like it i mean literally it is a total revolution and the amazing thing is i've got people from nine years old to 90 who are coming into the store asking nine but because it's yes i mean my daughter's 16 she's on it but the wonderful thing about CBD is that she takes it for cognitive function because she does suffer from ADD um, and her grades had slipped considerably since she got into high school. We started her on that and a, a B, uh, a nice. coenzymated B, but I attribute the CBD with really helping. She's an A and B student now and her focus has been unparalleled. And wow. so. But the cool thing is she's running track and one of the offshoots is people will take it for cognitive function and realize that it's helping them with pain. You'll take it for pain, realize you're sleeping better, you know, your anxiety is down. So I think that that's really one of the strengths of it is that it's so multifaceted. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. But the uptick of how much we sell out of 12,000 products we have in the store, five of the top 10 products are CBD related. Wow. There's merit to that. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. And the fact that you're able to take a 90-year-old who's been told their whole life that the hemp plant is, you know, jazz cabbage (laughs) and not good for you um, and and fight, fight, fight. And they're coming in now and they're like, I need to have my CBD. And I'm just so pleased as punch to see this thing turn around. It's been been great. Jazz cabbage. (laughs) You know it. It's the mad root. (laughs) The devil's lettuce. The devil's lettuce. (laughs) Not anymore. Wow. Yeah, so that's ex- awesome. It's very it's very cool. Yeah, it's good for good for small health food stores too. Yes. But yeah. now that the farm bill's passed. Yeah, that's true. The bigger ones like Sprouts and Natural Grocers and Whole Foods announced the other day they're gonna be getting into two marijuana from, products. Totally. Yeah. Two years from now, I guarantee you it will be at Circle K. They will have C B D this and C B D that in Circle K. Mm. Um, or places like that, you know, just because it's a bit, it won't be necessarily quality product. Yeah. And that could discourage people. The Swisher Sweet with CBD <laughs> yeah. laced through. Yeah. Gatorade CBD flavor. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, boy. But uh, there's plenty of good things. So just, you know, do your research when it comes to brands, too, where they're sourcing it, how they're getting it, um, how they're extracting it. Um, all of those things play into it. So make sure you're making an informed decision. Yeah, because it's kind of the Wild West right now, a little bit, right? It is. There's some weird ones out there. There are definitely some some ones you probably keep an eye on, but it's more companies that might be promoting something that they're not actually delivering on. Hmm. And with that, <laughs> I won't say too much more other than that. But, uh, yeah, obviously, no names. No, no names, no yeah. names. But um, there's a lot of good stuff out there, and I'm very, very excited about the state of CBD. Wow, that's great. That's really great. So we printed up a news article that was somewhat interesting. 
from Health Rising. You can go uh, find that online, and I'll have it in the show notes. But, uh, yeah, Brian, why don't you take it away? What do you think of this health article? I think it's – well, the funny thing is it, it pertains to a, something – one of the few research papers I think I've ever written um, uh, was on the – what, a chronic fatigue syndrome, yeah. CFS, Epstein-Barr or whatever. Um, but this guy, Jeff, um, this case study, this particular study – this guy has chronic fatigue syndrome so bad that literally chewing food or taking a shower will totally wear him out. In fact, it says here, it says the only way out of his crash, you know, when he would completely get depleted, yeah, he would have to shut down all inputs. That means stay in the dark, stay completely still with earplugs in. And that was the only way that he could regain energy. Like sensory deprivation almost. Complete. So, um, but, and he couldn't even eat food by the end of this thing. So, Hmm. um, essentially what they've done and what this whole article is about is a craniocervical instability being the cause of this thing. So essentially looking at a human, like a bobblehead you might get at a free baseball, you know, at a baseball game. Yeah. That's actually like that image is very accurate. So that's essentially what's happening is that the neck is not supporting the skull and the brain um, properly and you've got an instability that is now being corrected by this surgery. This guy went from being in a chair having to have a constant companion essentially just to take him from chronic fatigue. And now because of this cranial sac- uh, the craniocervical instability surgery the surgery they basically did an, a fusion of his spine and his neck um, he's got, he's regained everything, his entire wow. life back. I mean, it's a complete 180. So it's been, it's been really cool. Um, and it's just now starting to gain some momentum hmm. because of cases like this. But, wow. Yeah. Th- that's, that's kind of cool. I mean, when I used to read about, uh, back when I first started reading about supplements, there was a website, uh, Phoenix Rising, which was a forum. And it was really cool because they were all doing like cutting edge stuff, trying to, you know, get into this, uh, trying to basically help themselves out. And a lot of them were bedridden. And you know, when I read this article, it was pretty, it's pretty nuts that he had this. You know, he suspected that like he had this problem, and he put a neck brace on, and then when he took it off, and like you know ratcheted his head around <laughs> he like passed out for five months or something ridiculous right yeah. like he had to be checked into a hospital and yeah doctors up. didn't correlate or didn't connect the two forever they didn't i mean like some conventional doctors and conventional thinking was why would his neck have anything to do with anything that's going on up in his squash yeah um or whatever autoimmune disorder that they could be thinking that it was caused by so yeah no it's really cool Good for him. Good for you, Jeff. Yep. Good job, Jeff. Good to see you up and around playing racquetball. Yeah. This is uh, this is a recent article, end of February. So this is cutting edge stuff. Right. You know? This is a. Uh, He's not playing racquetball just yet, but. Yeah, I mean, he might be, but you know, if you if you did decide to, if you had chronic fatigue, you know, and you were jumping into surgery off this, there's not a lot of. Uh, cases yet of people having success with this right but that's what we kind of want to deliver on the podcast we want to deliver the stuff that's cutting edge that's happening to give you ideas you know if you're suffering from anything like this so being ahead of the game yes being ahead of the game or in a different game altogether (laughs) (laughs) well and kind of that's one thing that irks me about medicine is is how long it takes them to get anything done through the fda you know they could find a promising treatment and 
it's going to take them a decade before uh, they could get, come out with something. But Especially if you've been affected by something or a family member's been affected by something. And then, oh, three years from now, they have a cure. But, you know, where was that? And so, the, the, yes. Yes. I agree. All right. So anyway, uh, today I want to talk about vitamin B1. Uh, I kind of got to it in a roundabout way. Um, I was researching some some different diseases, Hashimoto's and fibromyalgia. Anyway, just to give you some background on B1, it's also called thiamine. It was originally discovered in the late 1800s by a Dutch military scientist. I think his name is Eichmann, but there were some J's and H's and stuff together, (laughs) so I could be pronouncing that wrong. But vitamin B1, it prevents you from getting beriberi. That was the... Um, one way they defined vitamins back in the day was if you don't have it, you get a disease. And so beriberi was what you got if you didn't have thiamine. And this guy who discovered it, he basically figured out that if you ate white rice without the hull hmm. that makes it brown rice, you have you get a vitamin B1 deficiency. But if you add that hull back in, you get the B1. And so he wanted a Nobel wow. Peace Prize for that. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Anyway, so I was looking at Hashimoto's because this woman at Sprouts was telling me about her Hashimoto's and how she's just been having this roller coaster of thyroid where, you know, she's hypo for six months and then hyper for six months and and her doctors are just having a hell of a time. And they finally, they did the blood test. They figured out she has antibodies and they said, you know, you got Hashimoto's. And so I was looking at Hashimoto's and I came across some stuff on B1 and there was a really small like three person study where they gave these three people 600 milligrams of B1 uh, per day and they found that the fatigue component of Hashimoto's and like every thyroid disorder has a fatigue component um, and so the fatigue component in Hashimoto's was resolved with this vitamin B1 which I thought well that's awesome so yeah, I kept looking at B1 stuff and there was an Italian study on fibromyalgia that was actually similar, same three people. Now in this one, they did 1,500 milligrams, so quite a bit more than the 600 milligrams. And, that they, and they found that it was strange with fibromyalgia, basically you could give them this B1 and they would ha- not have any effect until a certain point when they would have all the effect. So it was kind of this... Uh, Nothing happened, and then break the suddenly barrier. you break this, yeah, B1 barrier, thank you, and, and it worked. So, and I was also reading the comments on this uh, this fibromyalgia article, and so like 50 people with fibromyalgia decided to give it a shot, and some of them it didn't really work for, but some of them were like, I have the best energy I've had in, <laughs> you know, years. I cleaned this weekend, you know, and I didn't, you know, so it's just, it's pretty, pretty cool uh, when people experiment like that. I love that. Yeah, so that... This kind of brings me to the most impressive thing I read about B1, which was with Parkinson's disease. So this is that disease, you know, where you get the shakes with the hands and eventually your tremors, your whole body, you know, and you can't do anything. So this Italian doctor uh, named Antonio Costanini, he he treated Parkinson's patients with high doses of of B1 uh, injectables. And he got some amazing results. And his videos are online if you want to go look at this guy, Antonio, <clears throat> Antonio Costanini. Uh, if you want to go look at him, people like with shaking hands and their bodies were all shaking. Uh, after, you know, some months of getting these B1 injections, they were like like punching. Like, like you know, they look like they're boxers. And one guy was dancing a little bit. I mean, it was, I know. It was, it was kind of, it was like, is this guy really giving them B1 in those shots? I don't know. 
so I'll put these studies in the show notes, but uh, I just kind of did some some backup research on this. They followed up that Antonio guy. Uh, some people followed it up to confirm his results. They looked at three patients with Parkinson's that had good results. Uh, they did another study with 10 patients who, with Parkinson's who had had it for a while. You know, yes. They were on drugs like Levodopa and that kind of thing. Uh, and they also had good results injecting B1 into them. And then finally, there was a large open-label study that looked at 50 people, so not a double-blind study. So obviously, you could do more, more right. research there. But 50 people, uh, and they had similar results in as little as three months. So people getting way better with the shaking and stuff, and just noticeably. Incredible. Yeah, it's really cool. I thought it was a good example of how there are treatments out there that allopathic doctors probably don't know about that... Because B1 is not toxic, and it's like, why not try it? You know, there's really no downside if somebody has Parkinson's and is progressing, and they're on Parkinson drugs. You know, there's no downside to throwing that in. And I just wonder how many doctors really know about it. Are these people still staying on their, their pharmaceutical drugs as they start taking these B1 injections? That Antonio guy, I don't know exactly what he's doing, but in that one study with the 10 people, some were on hardcore drugs and they'd had it for a while. Wow. So it wasn't, that's one thing sometimes you come across where, you know, you have early intervention and you're able to, you know, prevent some of the long-term stuff. But if you've had Parkinson's for a while and it's helping, that's pretty cool. That's very cool, especially since taking those drugs or any of those drugs that may or may not be helping them with their symptoms in hopes that they may help them, um, they have lasting effect on the body. Those are hardcore pharmaceuticals. So to find means like this, yeah, it, it's a miracle. It's a small miracle. Yeah, and that's that's one that's crazy thing about Parkinson's. You know, the drugs make it better in the short term, but I think in the long term they can make it worse. And I'm not just saying that as like my opinion. Like I've actually talked to people who had relatives who had Parkinson's and they went through the different dopamine agonists and all that stuff. And they said, you know, if we had just kind of not done all that and just said, you know, he's got some shakes and just let him be, it would have been way better than all these drugs we threw out. Totally. That may have actually amplified the symptoms. Yeah. Well, because if you're taking dopamine agonists, you're becoming resistant to dopamine. Like it's, they don't work as well as you you keep going. They, they desensitize. Those receptors desensitize over time. If you keep blasting them with dopamine, totally. they'll downregulate. And yeah. the body, it does that to, to help itself. You know, It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So if you want to do this on your own, uh, obviously it's tough to get injections of, of B1. You can take uh, thiamine HCL, which is the cheap stuff. It'll work fine. I've read of people taking upwards of 1,800 milligrams per day not having any toxic effects. Obviously, if you take that much, you should probably only take it if it's warranted. Um, if you can spring for it, there's a more expensive and powerful uh, B1 called allothiamine. That is the fat-soluble option, and it can cross the blood-brain barrier. To replicate some of those studies with the B1 injections for allothiamine, you take about 100 milligrams twice per week. But I read of people taking upwards of 600 milligrams of allothiamine a day, uh, which probably is the upper bound yeah. of what you'd want to take. It's a lot, you know. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of B1. I think the RDA on B1 is three milligrams. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't seem to be, I mean, 
have they showed any adverse effects as a result of taking this? Have I think it can chelate iron. Okay. And so that might be how it's helping is chelating iron out of the brain. That could be how it's helping with Parkinson's. Right. So eat a steak every day, whatever you need to do to get that iron back. <laughs> That's right. Um, but the, the fact that you said it was water soluble, this particular thiamine HCL is water soluble. Oh. Allothiamine is fat soluble. Okay. Yeah. Um, Right, so that seems like it would definitely be more efficient if it was passing the blood-brain barrier. Um, Could be. In Could theory, be. since it seems to be a neurological disorder. Generally with fat-soluble stuff, you have to be a little more careful with overdosing on things. Yes. Whereas with, with water-soluble, your body can just get that right out if it needs to. Right. Yeah. So so I it, just reading about all this, it kind of got me thinking about a general principle with like experimentation and doing this stuff, which is... You want to match the dosage of what you're taking with what you're trying to solve. So if you're trying to solve something like Parkinson's, using large doses of vitamin B1 is totally on the menu. Whereas if you're just trying, you know, you're a little wound up, you're just trying to get to sleep, you know, a little val- uh, valerian tea is going to be better than popping a bunch of Xanax, right. you know. So <laughs> you want to match those things up. and. Basically, when you take a drug, it exerts a lot more force on your body than an herb would. Mm. And this is like, this is my problem with sometimes the medical establishment is all they have are bazookas. It, to, to, to use an analogy of like war, you know, it's like, it's a tank, use a bazooka. It's a guy mugging you, use a bazooka, you know. Right. It's a city on fire, use a bazooka. It's, it's like this... You know, they just have the most powerful stuff that they use on everything. And so to give you like a spectrum, on the most extreme would be surgery. That's like the most invasive, most extreme. And then you'd have drugs. And then you might have some herbal extracts. And then you might have, um, well, I should say before the herbal extract, you'd probably have like hormones and, and things that are similar to natural substances like progestins but aren't actually natural right then you might have herbal extracts and herbs and vitamins and amino acids and then eventually you get to homeopathics which might not do anything depending on who you ask (laughs) (laughs) so anyway in that spectrum you want to kind of think of where your seriousness of what you're dealing with is and use below what you think you'll need and work up to what actually works and then you have that balance between whatever your ailment is and what you're using. And the reason you do this is everything pushes on your body in one direction or another. And I'm sure you've seen this at the health food store quite a bit. If you take something that is too powerful for what you are experiencing, it will cause a side effect or something else <laughs> totally. that you'll then have to solve on the other end. Right. You know, you'll... you'll Take a blood pressure med, and, and now you're a little dizzy, and so now then you have to take something else. I mean, he's a, he's a bad example. So. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. So anyway, um, that's just kind of what I wanted to cover today. And I will say the reason why the medical, the allopathic medicine is so strong, in some ways it's not their fault because they are looking for things that are statistically significant. And to do that, they have to do these big big studies with tens of thousands of people that you know need to be statistically significant and so whatever they're using has to be a bazooka to really show that it does something 
you know, you, you're not going to be able to do a huge study like that with herbs. You'll find maybe some small effect across a wide population. But if you jump into the population, you'll see on some people it has a huge effect. and other people, it doesn't do much. And so it's just... But their decision-making sometimes is short-sighted in the sense that it's fiscally motivated, too. Um, so we're seeing sometimes with the pharmaceuticals making in the bazooka... And knowing full well the bazooka is going to blow up some innocent bystanders and still releasing that bazooka to the public um, and then saying, well, we'll just deal with that on the back end or whatever, because ultimately that's your care might not necessarily be at the forefront of their uh, their, their, their agenda. Thinking. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's why we have jobs It's because they think in populations. And so all these people get swept under the rug who don't fit. And that's where we come in, you know, with yep. individualized um, tinkering or what, whatever there you, you go. say. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a lot more open. Um, I mean, you can, you can research and find out what you're taking and, and understand it a lot better than what you're taking at the pharmaceutical level, which is completely mechanized, you know, chemically. Totally. But yeah, no, that's why we're here. We're the White Hats, right? <laughs> yeah depends on the day one one more thing on thiamine uh if you take it with coffee or tea it lowers the absorption because there's tannins in coffee and tea and you co- they combine with thiamine to make this like really hard to break down molecule uh but i don't know it's kind of interesting when i was reading about it there's actually certain asian countries that have thiamine deficiencies is because they chew on tea or they drink tea all the time really yeah that's interesting i know it's kind of crazy so especially since you're often considering tea or green teas or different teas to be beneficial or have some kind of yeah but it might be caffeine too just don't chew on them all the (laughs) time and then take b1 (laughs) yeah that's true yeah that's good point good point if you're ever traveling in the southeast asian region of the world don't chew on the tea all day long, guys. That's all we're... You'll get a thiamine deficiency. <laughs> or beriberi. <laughs> or beriberi. Yeah, that's bad. You don't want beriberi. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the whole deal with vitamin B1, basically. But that's all I have. Is there anything else you wanted to add? I don't believe so. I think we covered a lot of ground today. Yeah, I think we did too. So anyway, the, all the studies that we covered, they're going to be in the show notes if you want to look at them. Uh, if you want to contact us, we have an email set up, quackspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to leave us comments, suggestions, anything to make the show better. We are on Spotify, and now we are on iTunes. Woo! Look up, yeah, woo! We're on <laughs> iTunes. Only three submissions. And <laughs> yeah, so just look up Q-U-A-X and uh, you'll find us. So anyway, that's it. Until then, be well. Yes, be well. Thanks,